Anti-crypto army is back in full swing. We talked about it a bit yesterday, but feels like we need to talk about it again because Elizabeth Warren claims that crypto has funded enough fentanyl to kill 9 billion people. But that's not the only news we have today. Of course, we have a debt ceiling deal that is done and about to be signed. We have China coming right back online for crypto as the United States is obviously heading in the other direction. We have Pulse Chain and Hex not doing so great, some trouble at Binance, and more. Yes, guys, I'm 15 minutes late. That's just because I wanted to build up a bit of suspense. You guys don't want to miss today. It's Friday. We review the news. Let's go. I hope you guys are having a lovely Friday. I am late 9.15 instead of 9 a.m. We are still a 9 a.m. show, but as is tradition at the end of the week, one of my children has to be sick and go get tested for strep throat. So that's where I was. I was at the doctor's office and I had to rush back and do the thing and do the stuff and be at the place. You guys know how we roll. You can probably hear them in the background. I've got two sick kids home today. Awesome. Hope you guys have been listening to the Twitter spaces. The first one from a couple days ago already has 300,000 views, which is like six months of views on my YouTube channel. Yesterday, I think we're almost at 100,000, and today's conversation is going to be even more epic because we're going to be diving very deep into FTX 2.0, whether that is a good idea or a bad idea. And we have people on both sides. We've got Anthony Scaramucci, Mark Yusko, John Deaton. Man, we've got a killer lineup with myself and Ran and Mario. It's going to be awesome. But that's not what you're here for today. What you're here for today is obviously you're here to talk about OKX, right? We'll talk about it actually in the uh, news today. Binance seeing a massive uh, decrease in deposits, but one of the only exchanges that's seeing an increase in deposits right now is OKX, who is my going to be my longtime partner here, guys. As you know, if you sign up using the link that's down below in the description and make me look really awesome and good, like you guys like me, then you can uh, get up in that mystery box. And we all know that everybody's trying to get in the mystery box. Get up to $10,000 in crypto rewards, but we are going to be announcing some other huge things. But go ahead, guys, sign up for OKX. Let's take a quick look at the market first before we get started. Actually, guys, quite a bit of green. Surprising amount of green. I hadn't really looked because I've been, you know, doing the thing. But uh, I think Bitcoin's kind of flat, though, right? I mean, we took a look. Uh, Bitcoin, here you are in the weekly chart. doesn't get more boring than $27,000 Bitcoin for, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven-ish weeks some point yeah we got up to 30 but like this price that we're trading at right now we live here guys Twenty-seven thousand. but it has caused for some altcoin action if you guys were uh, watching my stream on wednesday uh with chris inks then you were prepared for some of the moves that are actually happening right now which i noticed this morning writing the newsletter i wasn't planning to talk about this right now but check out injective right i guys remember i drew this parallel channel and said we were retesting the 50 ma retesting this as support here we go nice big pop there there's one of the other ones uh that uh, we were looking at i think it was ocean uh and that one also i noticed uh this morning kind of had some alarmies going off same idea right had that descending line 50 ma increasing volume my guy showed you we had increasing volume right into this descending line right here and i said this is probably going to break out ocean now breaking out so if you were catching that right there you're up yeah, good 10 percent, not bad 
yeah, we are seeing some movement on the altcoins, particularly on the AI altcoins. And that's why we chose to dig into those on Wednesday. Finally, guys, we can talk about a couple charts and have things going. Yeah. Bird flu, check the title. Yo, 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 yo. What the F is going on? We're going to dig into that right now because she's coming, guys. Our favorite, the loveliest lady, loveliest lady in town. United States Senator Elizabeth Warren calls for shutdown of crypto funding for fentanyl. In a Senate hearing, a top U.S. Treasury official said Chinese drug makers have found crypto payments appealing. Probably. And Warren cited elliptic research to back a push for legislation. Okay, first, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. The precursor to fentanyl being made by a number of Chinese companies, almost all of them, according to research by Chainalysis Elliptic, accept crypto payments. Okay, fine. It's a payment method. They also accept credit cards, renminbi, yuan, dollars, but that's obviously not the story here. Not the story here. The story here, as Elizabeth has pointed out, this group sold enough precursor drugs in exchange for crypto to produce 540 billion worth of fentanyl pills. That is enough fentanyl to kill nearly 9 billion people, all paid for by crypto. 9 billion people, guys. There's only 7.8 billion people on the planet. We're going to kill the next 1.2 billion people on the planet that don't even exist. So hide your kids. If this doesn't get any more absurd, she has effectively created a FUD sandwich of three of the things that Americans fear the most all at once. Crypto, fentanyl, and China. We now have 9 billion people dying because of the fentanyl-crypto-Chinese connection that none of you were even thinking about until Elizabeth Warren had a Senate hearing. The anti-crypto army here is in full force, guys. We have to fear Elizabeth Warren. I mean, John F. Kennedy literally said it, said it in a famous speech. He said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself and Elizabeth Warren and crypto uh, crack China fentanyl and crack. Dip, dive, dodge, dive, dodge, dodge. Crack. Fentanyl. But yes, guys, have you ever seen a FUD sandwich bigger than this? Like I said on Twitter yesterday and in Twitter spaces, the next announcement from Senator Warren will inevitably be that crypto payments are hacking the red button of the United States to launch nukes into unicorn-filled daycare centers where they're having kitties and puppies over that are cute. There's nothing crypto can't kill. It can even kill billions of people that don't even exist yet. What I don't understand is who is this playing to? Who reads this and listens to her and is like, yeah, man, like she's really, you know, she's really hitting on the issues that are important to me, you know, like, like if we don't kill, if we don't stop the fentanyl crypto China connection, then America is going to be dead. I need to vote for her. Like, I've ranted about this so many times, but shouldn't crypto, Bitcoin at least, okay, listen, we have a lot of problems with the crypto industry. The meme coins are fully insane, so stupid, making us look bad. We, our industry, Voyager, BlockFi, Celsius, FTX, 
we heard a lot of people, man. I get the anti-crypto sentiment. I do. But what voters is this appealing to? And Bitcoin itself, stable coins, cheap payments, banking the unbanked. Shouldn't that be the very ethos and idea that progressives and far left liberals enjoy? And by the way, this is not the Republican Democrat divided bipartisan issue that we're making it out to be. This is a very, very, very loud minority of a woman who is has a lot of control screaming from the mountaintop. There are plenty of Democrats who quietly, unfortunately, now after SBF support crypto in a very big way. A lot of them. And there are also Republicans who hate it. One of them, by the way, his name is Donald Trump, if you guys forgot. So this shouldn't be a partisan issue. And I don't understand who this talking point is appealing to. Like, are the people of her of her constituency or jurisdiction like that anti-crypto? Seems like there's something more nefarious going on here. I don't generally do tin hat, but we know that she takes a lot of money from banks and this is a threat to banks. It's not really that hard to figure out. But yes, guys, Elizabeth Warren, after claiming that Bitcoin can literally do anything, now says that we're going to kill 9 billion people with fentanyl funded by crypto. Moving on to China, Binance loses $1.8 billion in deposits as May as banks curb exposure to digital assets. So there's a lot going on here. First of all, $1.8 billion, a lot of money, but always an interesting narrative to me to be able to say, let's not accept these cookies and let's close this. But always interesting to me how if you add $1.8 billion in deposits come from a lot of regional banks, they'd be finished. But companies like Tether and Binance see $1.8 billion uh, in a deposit decrease or withdrawals, and they keep humming along like nothing is wrong. But like, listen, guys, there's a major re regulatory crackdown. A lot of trouble with banking relationships for Binance in the United States, in Australia, in the UK. They just pulled out of Canada. Things are difficult right now for Binance. I hate it. I like Binance. No problems here, Right. But between the loss of banking partners and the regulatory crackdowns, of course, there's going to be people who are less inclined or just unable to deposit money. As I mentioned in the intro, and I'm not playing one against the other, this is in the article, OKX, a rival exchange, saw deposits jump by 1.9% in the same period. Maybe they just haven't gotten the attention yet, but it seems like people who are more likely to deposit into Binance are doing so into OKX at the moment. In case you're wondering... More than $13.2 billion has left Binance since last November. And the $1.8 billion that just left is 3.3% of their total percent of their total deposits. I mean, look, look, you could click on DeFi Llama here. You'll see, though, I mean, Binance still has $64 billion in assets. And next is OKX at just under 10. So we're still talking about a massive, massive dominance in market share. But now apparently Binance, because of all of this, is looking into alternatives to traditional payment systems like purchasing their own bank or making small investments in other banks, basically securing banking relationships by owning those very banks. And who could blame them, guys? What are they supposed to do here? Tough situation. Tough. What you also might have seen about Binance this week was a whole lot of FUD, which CZ quickly said was four, right? Ignore the FUD that Binance was laying people off. Now we know that Binance has been on a hiring spree over the last year while everybody else has been laying off. Binance has been massively expanding. Not big news here. But what they're saying here as the result, as the reason for this 
is that they are reevaluating their workforce to ensure that it has the right talent density and key roles. Basically saying, man, we might have overhired in certain areas. We got some incompetent people doing a bad job and we need to get rid of them. Meanwhile, there's actually 300 job openings still listed on finance's website. So that would be curious if they're doing a mass layoff here. But it does say that this could be 20% of their employees, which is 8,000. So kind of a confusing story right here, but seems that this is just Binance moving people around, getting rid of the extra people they don't need, and then hiring into key roles that they've found to be more important. CZ said in January, that's only four or five months ago, it's June now, that's weird, that the company planned to increase its staff by 15 to 30% in 2023. So going to be interesting to see what happens. Is this layoff of 1,600-ish people, which of their total 8,000, is this a result of those deposits going down that we discussed before, regulatory crackdowns, banking issues, or is this simply just Binance improving their business at the moment? Now, guys, the next topic, uh, it was sent over by Visha. I'm hesitant to even talk about it because it like triggers some kind of weird emotional reaction anytime we talk about it. And I don't have uh, a passionate opinion about Hex or Pulse Chain. And every time I say either of the words, I get attacked by 7,000 people with like hashtag Hex in their thing and whatever, whatever. But I think objectively right now, things not going that great. As I say here, and I like this first paragraph because it's so true of things in crypto. One of the perverse truisms of crypto is that for a certain kind of founder, the clearest path to success is to never actually build anything. Token presales incentivize infinite delay because you can cash in so effectively on grandiose promises, and the reality of what you create is always going to fall short of those fantasies. We've seen plenty of projects rightfully or wrongfully accused of the same thing, right? I mean, people have been talking about what's happening on Cardano, which I think everyone intellectually thinks is a great ideal idea. Huge promises, but still in development. That's been one of their major criticisms. We've seen it with countless, countless, countless projects. But PulseX, finally PulseChain launched, which is basically, to my understanding, just a massive copy of Ethereum. So like you get everything you had in Ethereum just duplicated there, but with lower fees, right? But uh, we've seen high fees instead of low fees, a lot of bugs, and a sell-off in related assets. Now, this is interesting. In the weeks since PulseChain's May 13th launch, as laid out by Protos, the system has seized up and failed in a variety of ways. That included high fees, despite the entire rationale for the Pulse Chain project being essentially Ethereum, but with lower fees. After Protoss published its analysis, another devastating bug was discovered, which is thought to have robbed liquidity providers on the PulseX Dex of millions of dollars worth of fees. In another index of how busted the economics, economics of the system are, RAP Bitcoin briefly spiked to 70000 per token on PulseX, more than twice its open price. Sounds like it's not going that great. Honestly, not something I have dug deeply into because I've just not been interested and I don't want to get fought, right? But it seems like the promise of Pulse uh, was much better than the reality, at least to this moment. Will says, will you interview Charles Hoskins? And again, I absolutely will. We were supposed to have him on Twitter spaces, but we had a scheduling conflict that will absolutely 
happen. Real Raid Boss says, lick the, lick the thumbs up button if you hate E-Warren. Go ahead and just lick that button if you're not, a, uh, if you're not into Lizzie. If you're not into Lizzie. We're going to move on from this. All I can say is that right now, objectively, it seems like it's not going that great. I hope for all the hexagons and pulse chainers out there that it gets fixed and it's great. Did you guys see this story? Bitcoin ATM robbery in Houston. Seven arrested. Footage shows su suspects ramming a truck into a store. So these guys stole a truck, slammed it into the window of a smoke shop, Tried to steal a Bitcoin ATM, which is really stupid, by the way. To steal a real ATM, got probably a lot more cash in it. But as I said, even if there's no cash in a Bitcoin ATM, they can be sold on the secondary market for a significant amount of money. Okay. But apparently they did $10,000 worth of damage and stole a bunch of tools from the truck owner who they stole it from. These guys, seven of them, just slammed a truck through a window, tried to steal a Bitcoin ATM, completely failed, and got arrested. What idiots. I mean, I'm just here for this story because it's hilarious. There's not really much of a story here. But I mean, what do you, well, why? Did you think you weren't going to get caught like doing the whole let's ram a truck through the front of a, a store thing? Which one of you guys was this? Seriously, who did it? One of you is here, right? Or one of the seven of you here? If not, I'm going to move on. Guess we're going to have to move on. Weak week hey guys debt ceiling deal past congress past senate off to biden's desk to be signed great deal everyone's excited super exciting amazing so now they're going to suspend the debt limit through 2025 guys great great it's amazing we raised the debt ceiling we can have a jubilee of debt and print another trillion in bonds and go out and lend those to people. Who the is buying those, by the way? I have no idea. But the deal includes provisions to fund medical care for veterans. I think we can all get behind that. Change work requirements for some recipients of government aid and streamline environmental reviews for controversial pipelines and other energy projects. Okay. But here's what is happening. So basically, they're putting a bit of a spending freeze, but the deal would keep non-defense spending roughly flat in the 2024 fiscal year, which makes Republicans happy because it means Democrats can't go just spread their uh, spending seed all over the place, right? But will increase by 1% in the next year, but that's after the next presidential election. The agreement would fully fund medical care for veterans at the levels included in Biden's proposed 2024 Budget blueprint, including a fund dedicated to veterans who have been exposed to toxic substances or environmental hazards. That's great. The agreement would rescind about $30 billion in unspent coronavirus relief money that Congress approved through previous bills. Good. In the first ever case of the government actually using their brain, they said, hey, let's actually uh, go ahead and take back that $30 billion that we didn't spend. Although, guys, now we're just going to start popping it off over to Ukraine, as we all know. Anyways. The agreement would expand work requirements for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, formerly known as food stamps, a longtime Republican priority, but the changes are pared down from the House passed debt ceiling bill. Guys, uh, we can get into all this. Do you care? Do you care? Oh, the pause in student loan repayment. Good. People aren't going to get their student loan uh, repaid before the United States government pays back their debt. The real story here is that both parties are a little bit unhappy, which usually means they've got a good deal right? 
and the government's not going to default and blah, 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 blah. But none of that's really the story. The story is they just, that was me kicking. They just kicked the can down the road another two to three years of a problem that's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and be yet another debate next time. Unless, of course, the Republicans are in control because they just raised the debt ceiling without negotiation. People don't realize that. Republicans have raised the debt ceiling, debt ceiling far more times than Democrats. And the only time this is ever an issue is when there is a Democrat in power and Congress is Republican. Sorry, not trying to play politics, but there's only a political issue when you have that combination of power. When either is just in control, the debt ceiling goes up. Nobody pays attention to it because that is what we do. There's a couple of hidden stories here, though. One is that eventually this is going to become a massive problem and is going to have to be dealt with. We've now done it 79 times. But when you have $31 trillion in debt, maybe we're going to go up to 40-ish here. Eventually, and now is that time, you can't pay that debt. The debt service now on that debt is more than our military spending, which has long been the largest budget item for the United States government. Hey, think about it like a person. Like if this was your credit card debt, it's like, well, you know, I usually spend the most money on my house and food and car, but now I spend more money on paying my credit card debt than my house, food, and car. What financial advisor would ever tell you that that's okay? Kids, if you're out there, save your money, get a job, don't spend more than you have in the bank, don't carry credit card debt, don't take on un any unnecessary debt. In other words... Do the opposite of whatever uh, they say. Mark saying Scott doing it again. OKX not researching enough. The, uh, those are the they're the facts. They're from these articles. What are you talking about? They're up in deposits by two percent, and they have ten billion and okay, whatever. I thought you were saying I wasn't researching something else. I whatever. Anyways, yeah. As Miguel says, that's future me problems, not now. Mark, I'd be happy for you to go ahead in the comments and tell me whatever problems you have with me. It's my favorite thing is to read the problems you guys have with me. Yeah. So anyways, guys, we're now paying more for our debt, which is only going to increase. And by the way, in two years, we have to refinance a bunch of that debt, which was effectively financed in the first place in a 0% interest environment. Now interest rates are about 5%. So we already can't afford to pay our debts or the interest payments. And now... Those are going to get refinanced to a much higher level. Have you guys seen the math on what happens if you take out a mortgage at, say, 2.5% versus 5 or 6 or 7%? Your payments literally more than double on a monthly basis because it's amortized over such a long period. This is bad news bears, and eventually the piper is going to come a-piping, right? You're going to come calling. We can't do this forever. I'm not saying that they should have blocked the debt ceiling, but I'm saying there has to be a more responsible way than just kicking the can down the road and saying, hey, it's fine, whatever, man. Raise it, don't worry about it later. And the other question is like, who's buying this debt? Who's buying this debt? Are central banks, do you see them buying treasuries anymore? No, foreign central banks are buying gold. They're buying gold. We've seen the reports. So somebody has to buy these treasuries. Who's going to do that? Want the short answer? Who do you think, if you had to guess, is going to end up buying these treasuries that the United States government creates? This trillion in bonds. 
I have my own theory. The United States government. It's going to be the Fed. Nobody wants them. People are scared of the dollar at the moment. So I think through yield curve controls, which is when the Fed, what they've done in Japan, basically just buy up all the treasuries to smash down the yield curve and keep it low. It's going to be the Fed. And what does that mean, guys? You motorboat and son of a bitches. That means we're going to money print our way eventually out of this problem. We're going to print the debt. Jay Powell and the printer are going to come in. We're going to buy it. What a sham. What an absolute sham. Decline, AP. So yeah, guys, it's good news for us in the short term for an American person who would have been really screwed if we defaulted on our debt. But eventually they're going to have to solve this problem. And as predatory, they're going to inflate it all away, baby. They are. They are. They're going to motorboat it right out of here. What's our next story? Waiting for it to load. Oh, this was another, this wasn't a story, just some uh, data I brought up. If you guys want to know how spastic we are, since we were talking about debt ceiling, I wanted to bring up the Fed and the chances that they're going to raise rates. Guys, this is like schizophrenia. You have no idea. So a few, three weeks ago, it was priced in at a 0% chance of a 0.25 rate hike. 0% chance. Two days ago, 65% 65% chance on CME. Today, 25.2% chance. So guys, I know it's fun to say that what's priced in and the market thinks that this and that. It changes every day. It's not news anymore. It's impossible. It's so frustrating. They're going to raise rates. They're not going to raise rates. They're going to stop raising rates soon because they're going to have to. And eventually they're going to pivot and start printing money. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. Probably not, but it's going to happen. Now let's talk about China. Why are my things? Hong Kong retail investors to start trading major cryptocurrency tokens from June 1st as new virtual assets regime kicks off. This is from South China Morning Post. Not so fast, guys. Listen, we talked about it yesterday, so we're not going to get too deeply into it, but... Everyone was saying, we're going to get a Bitcoin pump on June 1st because every Chinese person is going to buy Bitcoin because they've been sitting on the sidelines waiting for their opportunity to buy Bitcoin. Yeah, first of all, any Chinese person who wants to buy Bitcoin has probably done it with a VPN, let's be real. And B, June 1st was the day that they're taking applications from exchanges to maybe be able to offer these services in China. Hasn't really happened yet. OSL can do it, I think. They are an institutional exchange and some hash debt, something or other. Everyone else now is applying to get their license, which could take weeks or months. So this is not really that big of news yet. Yet. That doesn't mean it won't be, though. Because China's doing a lot of other things here. Right? So I guess really the question is, what's the angle here? What's China ready to accomplish? Well, we have Lizzie Warren in the United States with her anti-crypto army. Joe Biden tweeting about made-up loopholes for rich, wealthy crypto traders, as if anybody made any money in crypto last year. Right? We have an uptick in rhetoric from Gary Gensler, enforcement action. And then coincidentally, China goes, Brian Armstrong wrote a whole op-ed about how this is a threat to national security to crack down on crypto in the United States because it's giving China an opportunity. Well, now China City launches government-backed metaverse platform, 
Next, Hong Kong ZA Bank wants to be the go-to bank for crypto startups instead of Signature and Silvergate Silver, Lake Bank. All the ones shut down the United States. China goes, okay, we'll do that. China State Bat Firm launches two crypto funds in Hong Kong. This is the Chinese government. This is not, right? This is the Chinese government. State Bat. And China's National Blockchain Research Center aims to train 500,000 blockchain professionals. We also saw that they wrote an entire Web3 paper and said they're going to put $14 million a year into development of crypto. God, man. We're giving it all to China, right? So, yeah, it's not that exciting, I guess, that retail could theoretically on June 1st start to be able to do crypto things. But there's a whole lot of stories here about China reversing their entire position on crypto, and it's because the United States are being humongous assholes. Brockade would like you to know that he won a treadmill while in a wheelchair. Can't make this stuff up, folks. I mean, you could. You could. But yeah, guys. Like, if we want to tell the real story of what happens happening here, it's not that, like, retail will maybe be able to buy some crypto. Okay, great. That's cool. It's that China is putting in some serious resources here in blockchain technology and is ramping up their efforts as we continue to crack down. And that means... They're going to likely be on the right side of history as we are on the wrong side of history. Guys, it's all the news I got. Brockade says it's ludicrous. I don't know if he's talking about what I'm talking about or if the fact that he wanted a treadmill while he was in a wheelchair. I don't know. Did you try to wheelchair on the treadmill? Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, guys. So that's all I got for you here. But in exactly 30 minutes from now is going to be at Epic Spaces. Let me here, let me open the thing. I can tell you all the people now who we've got confirmed. We got James Lavish, Dave Weisberg, favorite of the channel, Weisberger, Hasib Qureshi, that guy's awesome, Paul Barron, Bruce Fenton, John Deaton, Justin Rezvani, Mark Yusko, Anthony Scaramucci, Travis Kling, Bill Barheit, Brian, it's going to be epic. It's going to be epic. Today it's on Rand Nooner's channel, and then I think we're probably going to just commit to Mario's channel in the future. But uh, guys, yeah, Rand's channel, 30 minutes, Twitter spaces, I will see you there. The guy who uh, said I was spreading misinformation never came back. I was going to address him. Sad. Sad. Anyways, guys, that is all I have for you. Jeff says Dave Weisberger's the goat. I agree. I agree. Guys, please come hang out, see the spaces, and if not, uh, you know, have fun staying uninformed. I will see you guys on Monday here for Macro Monday and in spaces later today. Peace.